Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. As always, our official sponsor is Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel. And of course, our other sponsors are Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. And in this chats edition of the podcast, we're going to hang out with one of our sponsor founders, uh, Ryan LaPlante. Uh, you guys know him already, but he's a World Series of Poker bracelet winner. He's a coach. He's the founder of Learn Pro Poker and continuing to, uh, I guess, just continuing to uh, help the rec poker community get better. Uh, but first of all, let's introduce our panel. Uh, my name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve in our Poker Stars home game. And Mary Austin once said, people would be surprised to know how much I learned about prayer from playing poker. Well, I'm Andrew Feist. I'm dealer 412 uh, in the PokerStars home game. Benny Binion, trust everyone, but always cut the cards. <laughs> uh, and I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on Twitter and on PokerStars and reminding you that I don't trust anyone who doesn't have a favorite hand. <laughs> I'm Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster just got a first down in a Steelers game on Monday Stop night. Stop it. And I am John Somsky, Poker Geek MN, everywhere else. And uh, I just like to let you know that money won is twice as sweet as money earned. And money won from Steve Fredland is even <laughs> sweeter than that. Come on now. That's true. <laughs> and I'm Rob Washington. I'm Radman50 on Twitter and on the Poker Stars home game. And Juju Smith Schuster needs to score just one more point for me to be in tied. And two more points for me to win the week. So it's pretty clear that we are recording this on Monday night, September 14th, for those of you who are wondering the deal. A couple of quick things before we jump into Ryan. A reminder, the International Series home games have started Fridays. Uh, we do a 5 a.m. Central Time and a noon Central Time. Uh, anybody is welcome from around the world, but obviously those are targeting our Australian friends and our European friends. And also, we've just launched a couple of voice channels on Discord. Uh, so those of you who have been asking for that, you can just jump into the voice channel at any point in time uh, during any home game or talk about the NFL or whatever. Do that. And then a reminder uh, that you can join the Rec Poker community for free at rec.poker. If you want to go premium, use the code RECPOKER for 10 bucks off your first payment. Uh, so with that, why don't we bring him in here, uh, Mr. Ryan LaPlante. Hello, Ryan. Hey everybody, thanks for having me on. Really do appreciate it. Good to be back. I know I was here for one of the weekly home games. Um, I thought I was on the one of the first podcast a while back, right? Yeah. 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 It's been a little while. We had you on the podcast yeah. and we partnered with you for the learn exactly. pro poker stuff that you're doing. Yep. And then, yeah, we do this monthly, uh, this monthly online play and hang with our members and uh, you jumped on there uh, graciously enough and just basically gave us all a, a poker lesson, which was amazing. So thank you for that your partnership. Yeah. Thanks for, for having sure. me on again. Yeah, so, so what's, I, why don't we just start with what's, uh, as Jim is going crazy if you're watching the video because he's only half engaged with Ryan LaPlante, one of the greatest players in the world. He apparently doesn't care. Uh, he's watching football. But Ryan, tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on with you, I guess, personally first, and then we'll kind of get into the Learn Pro Poker stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, me personally, I've just been grinding a decent amount. Um, I mean, there's been consistent series online, so there's just been tons of stuff to play. WCP just started a series. Uh, ACR has a knockout series a couple other smaller sites also have series um and then of course uh you know a couple months ago of course was wsop which went very okay like it went <laughs> <Yeah>. really okay <laughs> it was almost really good but it was just really okay like i had the most caches of the month which was pretty sick i'd like 
19 caches or something like that. Yeah. But I had zero FTs. So uh, usually it takes final tables to actually make some money. So it was very okay. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been better. Um, that being said, our users have been putting up some monster scores. Uh, during WSOP, we actually had one of our users win a bracelet, which was super duper sick. Matt Bode, uh, which was absolutely amazing to see. Um, such an awesome result. Uh, we had a lot of deep runs and big scores our last couple of months for users, which is always just absolutely fabulous. Um, my own grind besides for WSOP has been going very okay. Um, I've been kind of downswinging a bit, but last night actually had a decent score. I won the 506 max in WSOP for about 17k, which was a nice little ease the pain type grind. <laughs> um, the site itself's been doing great. Uh, we're we're at like 120 videos on the site. I want to say right around there. Um, we have a pretty big library of post-flop videos now, and I've been adding a lot of hand history example videos to it. I know, I know a lot of our newer content has been very, very, very in-depth GTO, and that can obviously be a bit overwhelming for a lot of users, especially people that haven't, you know, that aren't poker nerds like me and really in the thick of things. So while we tried our best to make that stuff very approachable, um, I also know that unless you really see it in use in real time, that it can be a little bit difficult to apply. So I've really been focusing on doing more of that type of content, uh, which I know our users really enjoy. And also that, you know, people get to actually learn how to properly apply it into their games, which is just a lot more useful in terms of, you know, in part why we play, which is to make money. And of course, you know, to be competitive and do all that stuff. But I really want to make sure that people can know how to really apply what we're trying to teach to, to do well in games and to profit off of them. Um, obviously, variants will, uh, you know, have a huge impact on that. But you know, your play overall is generally it's going to take things home. Um, yeah, everything's been going really good. Uh, we all, we've also been making a lot of progress on our training app, Brain Trainer Pro. Uh, we're actually switching that to a peer monthly service starting tomorrow. Um, and or wait, actually, uh, yeah, starting tomorrow. Sorry, I was thinking today was Tuesday for a second. Yeah, starting tomorrow. So we'll have all of pre-flop effectively fully solved for opens verse opens and then verse opens and calls so for squeezing and overcalling um and it's 40 bucks a month well i think we'll be doing a sale right off the bat and we'll be adding four bet pots very soon as well um as well we'll be adding tons of stuff to, to the app right now but really it's just focusing on teaching people how to, to play preflop GTO ranges. Uh, really one of the main functions built into it is an easy training function where you can practice whatever section that you want to. And it'll just give you 50 questions, say what you got right or wrong. And then if you did get something wrong or you want to see exactly what the range looks like, you can click into it super easily. You can use it on your phone or PC uh, as it's all web-based and through Java. So it's super easy to use. So we've been putting a lot of work into a lot of aspects of the site really trying to give people as many tools as possible to learn and grow through their game, whether they're people that more want to do work on their own or people that want to work in our Discord community. I mean, our Discord community is up to 1,500 members, um, and I still reply to every hand history question or every question asked of me. Um, so it's a big active group with pretty easy to build, you know, study groups or do whatever you want in terms of, you know, building in the community, or you can just, you know, work on your own. Um, and in terms of working on your own, we're actually in the process of teaming up with a, a GTO training program called GTO Trainer, uh, which should be out at the end of the month or early next month, which will have all of post-flop fully solved. Um, and you'll be able to quickly go through and study whatever situation you can possibly think of. You want to look at a 60 big blind three bet pot, 
EP versus MP. And the flop is ace of clubs, seven of hearts, three of diamonds. You can look at exactly that spot and see what you're supposed to do from a GTO perspective without having to run any solves whatsoever. Um, and it's all done through web, so you don't need a powerful computer. So we're trying to make not just teaching you what the theory looks like and how to use it, but also if you're someone that wants to just see it for yourself in depth in every aspect, we're just giving you the tools to do so and making it affordable. Um, to, to build this database, it's very, 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 very expensive. Um, I, I, I'm sure I would be under guessing on this, but my guess is that building a database like this to the, to the depth that he has, is you know tens of thousands of dollars so it, it's just it's information that isn't realistically accessible to most people and you know right now a lot of the only people that really have these type of products are you know high stakes pros that are willing to work together to pool their resources to build these databases and then study with them or people that don't mind doing it on their own using programs like PO which is how all these databases are built and even doing that on your own with PO you know a single solve spot can take hours and hours and hours. So what people do is like to build this database, you rent a ton of servers and you have uh, scripts just running solves 24 seven, 365, which is just not stuff that normal people can do. It's just not accessible. But you know, pros, mid to high stakes pros have had access to these types of databases for a fairly long time. You know, there've been people using these, at least these databases either to study or even some pretty famous, uh, especially one very famous recent case to cheat and, you know, it's really most players in the game, just they're at such a huge disadvantage, not even knowing about these things existing. So our goal with it is to try to make this stuff as accessible and approachable and easy to use as possible, really focusing hard on just making things very visually oriented and not too complex and in depth. That way, someone who has never worked with PO before can pull it up, know what they're looking at, know what they're looking for, and then be able to at least have a vague idea as to what they're supposed to do and why. Um, there are a lot of similar types of products uh, coming out. Um, some are a lot more pro-oriented. Um, and our goal really with this product is to be as rec friendly as possible. That's like, that's been my goal with learn pro poker from the start. You know, that's why I've tried to do as many hand history review type things, as many, um, hand history examples, as well as just being active in discord and other things to be very accessible. You know, I, I understand how crazy in depth and complex the game is, but I also understand that while a lot of people are very, very passionate about the game and industry and want to be able to learn and play at a higher level, just don't have the time. Um, that's why I also focused really, really hard in making our videos as short as possible to the point as possible. That way you can, you know, you can feel as though you are improving a lot without having to play full time, without having to put in, you know, an absurd amount of work and effort. I, sorry about the long spiel, but you know, <laughs> I'm really passionate about this. You know, LPP for me really is a passion project and I'm fortunate that we are doing very well, which means that I'm very happy con to continue to put in a ton of work into it and to keep it as affordable and accessible to as many people as possible. Uh, yeah, I love it. So, so how you're doing, that's, that's a lot. You're, how are you doing? It's very, yeah, very good. I guess I, I know Chris yeah. has a question, but I, I have one yeah. before, before we get to Chris, I, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, you're obviously a phenomenal player. You've got the bracelet. Uh, you know, there's no questioning that there's no questioning your coaching ability. Phenomenal at that. Now you're building this business and all the apps and it seems like that's going fantastic as well. I'm kind of curious, 
uh, you know, like what, how are you currently sort of allocating your time between those three things? And we kind of group everything else into the business side of it. So you got your playing, you got your coaching and your business. I'm curious, like what's kind of the split of, of that percentage of your, of that part of your life? How do you split that? And then what would be your ideal? Like, I'm curious, like kind of how you're splitting it. And then like, what would be your ideal right now where you so, are in life as far as how you spend your time? Pre-Rona, uh, my fiance <laughs> said that I worked a little much. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what I'm saying. 100% of whatever the time is. Let's just, let's split up that time however it is, assuming you're, your life um, is maybe negative 20%. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right now, just with like being locked in and stuff for the most part, or just things being mostly shut down, I essentially not having access to true live poker, at least not, you know, safe live poker yeah. um, or safe enough live poker, at least, you know, as I currently feel about it. I just have tons of time in my hand. So, um, and, and really like the discord stuff in terms of like replying to people and, and staying on top of things really isn't that much work. You know, maybe I spend five to 10 hours a week on it. Um, when we do video launches, the super in-depth theory videos, those are a monstrous mm -hmm. amount of work. Like um, this newest river theory video, even with the amount of help that Acevedo did with it, which was an exceptional amount of work on his side. Even my side of work was still probably like, 40 to 60 hours at a minimum and that video was probably less work per minute of of a video than any of the other theory videos that, that we've done for the most part so each like in-depth theory video is a ton of work the hand history examples and those types of videos those generally only take like however long they are maybe four to eight x that length just because i generally just have to go through my database organize what i'm looking for then I just go through it a couple of times on my own without recording it. And then I'll just do a recording. Sometimes it'll be good enough where I can use it. Sometimes I'll just re-go through certain sections and send it all over to my editor. Um, so in terms of like working on things, the site now is finally getting to the point where, you know, it's not like a 60 hour a week thing for me. You know, mm -hmm. it's more like a 10 to 15 hour a week and occasional weeks when we're doing big things, it might take a, a little bit extra. Um, grinding. So like a decent amount of that has kind of gone to the wayside. I mean, uh, obviously during WSOP, I play every single day. There've been some other stretches where I've been playing a decent amount too, but you know, before all this, I was working a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, I would say 60 hours was a low number of hours for me to work in a week. And there was mm -hmm. many, many, many weeks where I was working 80 to 100 hours mm -hmm. where I just, you know, was just gone. Either either I would wake up, start working on the site, go play a live tournament, come back and still have other stuff to do. Or I would like be at this tournament all day. Or So like, it was just like nonstop. And uh, so, so do you kind of consider it all work? Like I'm thinking about like, okay, you've got the playing part, you've got the, mm -hmm. you know, the business side, and then you got the coaching side. And I, I was kind of curious, like how you split those up, but I hear what I hear you just saying, it's just all poker work or. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's all just split yeah. together. I really haven't been doing a ton of coaching. Um, even though I, you know, charge a lot for my one-on-one, -on -one. I charge two fifty an hour and do two hour long sessions in terms of like, work other stuff I can be doing I think the amount of money I make from LPP is higher than that and my mm -hmm. grind hourly is probably a, you know theoretically speaking around that or higher as well so I just haven't been doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching um mm -hmm. even though there's plenty of demand for it it's just you know in the past I would I would put in more hours towards that when I just wanted some you know consistent income coming in right but now that I have all that coming in it's just I do it as I feel like it and 
Um, in terms of like doing, I guess like uh, other coaching though, like um, I do back some people. So, you know, I'll put in coaching sessions and stuff with them, but I don't really, you know, count that really. Um, otherwise, yeah, I would say in terms of like my true hours work, at least since Rona, it's probably been more like probably pretty evenly split between uh, mostly between the site and grinding and then maybe like 20% side poker work. Um, in terms of like how I spend my actual time, it's probably 50-50 lately between, you know, work and then hanging out and doing other stuff. But I would say pre-Rona, it was probably like mm-hmm. <laughs> 75-80% grind. Um, and in terms of like mostly just playing, playing, and then 25-30% doing other poker work. And then it was probably also like 80% working, 20% life stuff. So I was definitely, yeah. you know, working really, really, really hard. But I'm very like, I know that, you know, 2000, really 2018 and 2019, I probably worked uh, a few more hours than what I uh, legitimately should have from uh, my fiance's perspective. And I certainly can't uh, deny that. But in terms of, you know, preparing ourselves to be successful and work our mm-hmm. way through stuff like this, that I'm very fortunate and glad that I, you know, that I did so and that, that we've gotten the type of support that we have with the site as well has just been absolutely incredible. Brian, I wanted to jump in and talk about Learn Pro Poker, your your weekly group sessions. Um, I, kind of two questions about it. So, yep. like, first of all, I just want to say that they're, I've attended some of them. They're fantastic. Um, any rec players out there, if you want to, like, a, you know, a weekly sort of thing to tune into and really get better at your game, I think they're, they're fantastic. They're a great service. You spend two hours with people, like, really helping them out. But what I'm really curious about is sort of to flip the tables on you. And so there's all this stuff that people can learn from you. but what have you learned about rec players having done that now for so many weeks in a row? Like, what have you learned about the rec player pool? What have you learned about like tendencies of rec players? What do they struggle with the most? And what, what are areas that um, players should really be thinking about um, based on some of those uh, sessions that you've had with, with a lot of players like that? So one of the things I've definitely been super fortunate with in terms of uh, you know, I, I actually started doing coaching probably well before than what I realistically should have been. You know, I was like a, a winning micro stakes, like actual micro stakes player, like maybe a winning $5 average fine when I started uh, teaching, teaching people. And at first I was doing it for free. And then I started to charge like 10 bucks an hour and then like 20 bucks an hour. And I was doing it very consistently. Like, I want to say that I, for a large portion of my career, I probably averaged coaching like four plus hours a week for, you know, for years. And, you know, over that time period, coaching that amount, it, it definitely helps you solidify a lot of aspects of your game. Because when someone asks me a question about something, if I can't be like, oh, I do it for this reason, then I don't know why I'm doing it. If I can't say exactly what the reason is. And if I don't, if I can't explain it to them, then I'm forced to reanalyze and go through and figure it out. And I've also been very fortunate that I've also have always consistently known people that I thought were way better than me. And anytime I didn't know, I would, you know, ask them, like I've, you know, I've had coaches and and backers pretty much my entire career. So I've always had people where I can be like, Hey, I don't understand this. Someone asked me a question here. Like, I thought I knew this until someone was like, Hey, Ryan, what about this? And I was just like, I don't know. And the fact that 
you know, that really has been the most useful aspect of coaching in terms of what others have taught me, the own flaws and holes in my own thinking and theory and what I didn't know that I didn't know. That's like the best thing coaching can do. Um, and just having conversations about poker in general. Um, and I would say in terms of how other players think, it definitely helped me a decent amount with that. Um, because I, a lot of times in terms of how I think about poker from an exploitable standpoint, I'm generally looking in terms of the types of decisions people are making and why they make those decisions. And once I'm able to get into their mindset about, you know, about the game, I can think about them in terms of, you know, their type of overall experience. And then of course, anyone that's been an LPP member, that player plot chart that shows how aggressive or passive they are and how loose or tight, you know, I first figure out, you know, their overall style, then I figure out how well they think about the game. And then from that, I'm just in their head and I know what types of hands they are betting in different fashions. And that makes breaking apart and exploiting them really easy. And constantly having to be reminded about that and also constantly having to explain what I'm looking for and why and how I'm exploiting them, again, really solidifies in my own mind and game why I'm actively doing things and just makes me a lot more comfortable and confident um, in decisions. I would say like the biggest types of mistakes that the newest players make is in terms of not thinking enough about ranges, not just, just like everything about it, not just, you know, what is my opponent doing, but like not thinking in terms of how their own play looks to other people. Most like the newest player is always focused on what hands they have and how they want to play those hands. And that's all, that's it. They just go, oh, I have aces. This is a good hand. I should 5X open. And, and instead, they're like limping pocket threes and 2.5X and King Jack suited. And they're doing things that from a pure logical standpoint makes sense. Like, oh, aces are a good hand. I want to build a big pot, so let's go real big with them. But they're not thinking about things from a strategic point of view, which is, hey, if I'm always making it 5X with aces, everyone's just going to fold 100% of the time because they know I have aces. And then they'll like make the, oh, everyone always folds when I have aces. I always win a big, you know, small pot or lose a big one. Well, it's because you tell people what you have. So they're just looking to crack them. So if they're deep enough, they'll just set mine on you and then you'll give them the pot, you know, a lot. And then, but the thing is, I feel as though that most, most users that are going to be like a rec poker user probably have like that down to a decent degree. They understand like, you know, they always 2.2 X or 2.5 X. Um, a lot of times though, uh, I would say the biggest mistakes that that level of player makes is that while they have things somewhat balanced out in terms of not being too obvious, I don't think that they think enough in terms of two different factors. A, what is their opponent doing? So what type of player are they? How do I need to exploit them? But even to take it more simply, they're not really adjusting enough for other factors in the tournament. They might play very structured style, so people can't really figure out what they're doing, but if they're always raising the exact same range of hands on 15 bigs versus on 50 bigs, they're going to be making mistakes. If they always choose the exact sizing, whether or not someone limped pre-flop, they're going to be making mistakes. If they're always choose the exact three bet size, whether they're in position or out of position, whether they're 30 big blinds deep or 150 big blinds deep, they're going to be making mistakes. I would say it's twofolds. It's they, they play too rigidly and then they're not thinking enough about who their opponents are as well or stage of the tournament and things like that. Now, a lot of players, obviously, um, including people in the rec poker community, go, okay, Ryan, yeah, I do all this stuff. I've got things pretty well down. 
the types of mistake that they make is when they are playing and they are making these types of adjustments, when they're actively in hands with other players, they're not viewing things holistically enough in terms of breaking apart their opponent's range. Um, there are lots of hands that people will post where they'll essentially kind of lose the plot in the hand and in terms of like their opponent will be telling them something and they'll just be completely ignoring it and just going, oh, I've got this hand. This hand is really strong. I need to continue with it. Well, when your opponent's telling you that they have the nuts, it doesn't matter how strong your hand is. You just need to listen to them. And most people essentially don't view poker enough as a conversation. A lot of playing poker is a lot about having just a basic straight-up conversation where everyone tends to be very honest. It's like when someone opens preflop, they're saying, hey, guys, I've got a pretty decent hand. And then when someone three bets them, they're like, yeah, you've got a good hand, but I've got an even better hand. Let's play a big pot. Now, obviously, someone might be three bet bluffing, but, you know, like 80% of the time, they just have that very good hand. Or, or sometimes it's higher than that, sometimes it's lower than that. Someone's hyper-aggressive, then 70% of that time or 60% of the time, they have a very good hand. Someone's really tight, weak, passive, then 99% of the time, they have a really good hand. And a lot of times when someone tends to be passive pre-flop, they tend to be passive post. So when someone that is generally passive check raises a turn versus you, they're telling you they have the nuts. And that person probably isn't lying. You know, when, when they're super passive, they're, when they tell you they have the nuts, you should be like, okay, you have the nuts, I fold. You know, you, you can have it, go, it's all you. But instead they'll, they'll be so focused on playing like strategically well, like protecting themselves from getting exploited. They'll be like, yeah, but I've got too good of a hand. Like, oh, I've got, I've got the straight with like the flush blocker. I'm very high up in my range and I've got theoretically a very good call and they'll just ignore that their opponent just told them that doesn't matter. Your opponent isn't thinking about where in their range they are. They're just going, I have a really good hand. And they're telling you that. Just believe them. I feel as though that when, when someone's making the difference between being a very serious recreational player and making the jump to playing professionally in terms of really upping their game, they start to make a lot of bad assumptions about players. They're going, okay, so I know I'm supposed to be doing these types of games I'm, or these types of things in game. I'm supposed to be thinking in these terms. So my opponents must be thinking in these terms as well. Well, that's not true at all. all. Your opponents are going to be thinking in a huge, huge variety of fashions. You know, even if you start playing mid to high stakes online, you're still going to get the entire spectrum of players. It's just part of your job is to figure out where upon the spectrum of how someone thinks about the game as your opponent. And when 80% plus of your opponents are thinking in terms of a basic conversation, then most of the times you just need to be thinking in terms of that. When your opponent double barrels into you, they're telling you, hey, I probably have a good hand. I'm occasionally bluffing. But when they triple barrel and they're putting their stack at risk, chances are when they say I've got a good hand, they're not going to be lying there. It's, it's more about just figuring out how likely you think someone is going to be quote unquote misleading. And I know that this is like the most simplest and straightforward way to think about it, but it actively works very, very, very well. It's just in terms of really it comes really the most difficult part about a lot of this stuff comes down to framing the thought process in terms of how to arrive at these conclusions. And it's really difficult when you don't have someone helping you and showing you the rope step by step. 
That's why having a coach or working with a site like LPP can be incredibly useful because I spent a lot of my career making those types of mistakes and as did many of my friends. And when someone's already like shown me and taught me a lot of these different things or things that I've just learned through just making mistakes over and over and over and over again, then it, it's just, I'm trying to do my best to, to ease that pain for most people. And I feel as though like when I explain it in those terms that the huge majority of our users pretty quickly start to understand at least that fashion of it and make less like stubborn calls and spots that just don't really make you know sense in terms of bluff catching from a how your opponent's playing point of view, not from a theory point of view. Um, and honestly, as you get better and better and better, and as you really improve a lot, and especially as you play more and more higher stakes, it can be really difficult to get back to that more exploitable mindset in terms of having those types of conversations. And one of the, th the nice things about, uh, for me, is that I play such a wide range of games and you know, WSOP.com is also incredibly soft site. So even most of the higher stakes stuff on there, I tend to have lots of weaker fun opponents. And then I also don't really play that high of stakes on the other sites that I play on. So the games tend to be fairly soft as well. So I'm mostly working on playing versus some elite pros, some good pros, some weak pros, and then plenty of fun players that I keep all aspects of my game nice and sharp. And then of course, once live comes back, it'll be pretty similar to that. You know, it's pretty rare that I play in something live that's difficult enough where I'm just in GTO nerd mode. You know, it has to be some some of the highest buy-ins for sure. I don't I don't know that you're GTO nerd mode. I mean, I, I can't even I, I can't even tell that you like the game. I certainly can't tell that you enjoy teaching the game. I mean, it's, you're so fun to listen to. It's just I can just tell like, wow, this is this is fantastic. And if you guys. You guys need a coach, man. You know, obviously we got some folks through Rec Poker, but but Ryan is the real deal for sure. So make sure you check his stuff out. Uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I was just gonna change things up a little bit, uh, move a little bit away from strategy for a second. And yep. recently we um, we lost a legend in the poker community uh, yeah. when Mike Sexton passed away. Um, do you have any stories, or what what's your thoughts about? Uh, his passing? Did you have any interaction with him as you've played poker? So, you know, obviously as I started to play more in, in the gaming industry and as I started to have more results, I started to have, and as I just grew up, I started to have less uh, idealistic views of the gaming industry. Um, started to have less fans or less people that I was fans of. Um, and the thing was, is that with like Mike Sexton, I was a fan of his until the day he died and I will be a fan of his for the rest of my life. Um, guys like him and Phil Galfond, um, a couple of others that have just been standout people and ambassadors in every sense of the word. And I was, you know, again, very fortunate to have met Mike a handful of different times and played with him at a handful of different times. As you know, I've played a decent amount of WPTs, although only had, you know, success in them um, but also just at the WSOP you know he was always there and always around um, and I definitely ran into him a decent amount and he was just always just such a great guy and just always just so friendly in every sense of the word but also just so great for poker I mean he really is one of the biggest icons in, in the industry in the sense that like there is a very 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 good chance that I would not be a professional without him that a lot of people wouldn't be because the impact that he had, not just with the WPT, but also through party poker is monstrous. You know, they were, 
I'm pretty sure that Mike and uh, Steve Lipscomb and uh, this other guy that actually came up with the idea of the whole card cam and convinced them to start, you know, doing it, that that's, you know, where this industry boom really started between that and, and, and online poker, you know, that's where, why the industry is where it is today. So there's so many people in this game and industry that owe him such a deep amount of gratitude. And, you know, I was very, very sad to hear that, you know, he had died. Um, and it was really, you know, heartwarming to read all the really kind messages that people had to say about him. And, you know, really, besides for all that stuff, you know, one of the main, you know, things that he's really helped me with um, and, and other people like Galifon in terms of making me think about at a younger age, what type of impact I want to have on the game and industry that I love deeply as well. And, you know, that's in part why I started to do a lot of the stuff that I've done. And I know that I've never, you know, I've never been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm sure I will never anywhere come close to the type of impact or be the type of person that he was. But he is definitely someone that I will, you know, strive to try to be like in the best sense of the word. Um, and I, I feel as though that most people underestimate the impact that he had, that, uh, that a lot of pros probably underestimate that. Um, I know that there are tons of people in the back end of the industry and a lot of pros that are very, very aware of it, but he really is just one of those people that it, with, without him, the poker industry just wouldn't be what it is today with, without a doubt. That's so well said. And I, I would say, you know, I mean, just, just, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. I don't know Mike Sexton at all. Uh, I know a, the limited amount I know, but I'm sure he wasn't perfect. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he, he overcame that to make a huge impact. So uh, I think that's never an excuse for any of us that we're not perfect, uh, that, but we can still have a tremendous impact. Go ahead, John. Sorry, I stepped on you there. Oh, I was just going to jump in for people listening. When people mention someone and they don't mention the name, it always drives me nuts. Henry Orenstein is the person who invented the whole car cam. There we go. Yes. Ryan LaPlante was uh-huh. referring to. You're not, you're not the only poker nerd out here, uh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Somsky, but so, so what do you, I mean, I guess we got to wrap up, but I'm kind of curious, like, you know, there's been a lot of people in, you know, and I, just, so you know, I don't know anything about Mike that nobody else doesn't know. I'm just saying mm-hmm. as humans, we're all, none of us are perfect, but yeah. uh, you know, but he, he's very highly regarded. And I love what so many have said, like you, Ryan, saying, you know what, there's a lot of people that, you know, I got into the industry and yeah, the people that I really look up to, I kind of lost that <laughs> as I got to know them. But so far, uh, I haven't heard anybody say that about Mike. It, it's just gone up as they've met him and gotten to know him more. So uh, kudos to him. But I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, continuing with that theme, like a lot of people have been in a lot of amazing roles in the poker industry over time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people have been in the roles like a Mike Sexton, but what is it do you think about him specifically it's not just that you know he was in the right place at the right time it's not just that maybe he was really smart and thought of things like there must be something about him or his character or or something that differentiates him from other people uh well the the nerdiest way that i can say that is that he uh min maxed his charisma a D and D term where that he essentially put all of his all of his stats into charisma he was just like and and into kindness and he was just such a thoughtful person as well that like when someone is just that intelligent that kind and just like that charismatic that he you know on top of being the right place at the right time and everything else that you could tell from you know 
from the very start that he cared very deeply about the game and industry and he cared about the impact that he would have on it. And then he also just cared about people at a very personal level that, you know, he wasn't all about, you know, there are, there are plenty of people in this industry that have been that really focused more about, you know, the broad impact and about like making money and representing sites. And he just was someone that cared about just doing the right thing in the industry. I mean, in terms of like how he operated WPT and what he did with party poker, you know, across the board from every level, whether he was dealing with customers or players or, you know, employees or whatever, everyone has had just incredible things to say about him. And I think it's just like that, that he was just at his core, a really good person. And I know that there are tons of people in India that in the industry are definitely like that. So it's just a matter of looking past the bad things that happen in terms of, you know, all the scandals and everything else that always rock the poker world and especially the online world with just all the pitfalls that there are in that, that there are plenty of other Mike Sexsons in the industry and that, you know, uh, there's a, a, a really famous saying by um, Mr. Rogers about, you know, anytime that there's a disaster, look for the helpers. And like, mm -hmm. you know, Mike Sexton was just a helper to his core. And I feel that, that there are plenty of other people in the, in the industry that are like that. Um, and that it's more about just trying to get through the bad parts of the industry to see the good. And I know that there will always be things that come up throughout the industry that will maybe jade your views and or jade my views. But honestly, as a whole, I still have a very optimistic view of the game and industry as a whole and you know i look forward to being in this until i die mm, i love it what a testament to to mike uh, and i think you know anytime we have an opportunity to celebrate that unfortunately it often comes when somebody passes but yeah. you know you're kind of calling it out now let's let's celebrate those those folks that are doing it the right way and you know in any industry poker or otherwise and i have no idea what been min max whatever it is but i saw a bunch of the nerds uh with their thumbs up there so i think you're not alone in whatever that min max thing uh was but so, so we've got to wrap up here ryan and unfortunately time always just flies by but uh, i guess give you the platform any you know any final words to our the recreational poker community, whether it's about poker or outside of poker, whatever it is, any kind of final words you want to leave us with? As Mike Sexton would always say, may your cards be live and your pots be monster. Thanks for having me on everybody. Really appreciate wow, it. Wow. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Ryan. Well, we've got um, some business we're going to take care of so you can just jump off here. Uh, we'll be in touch, but thank you again so much. Thanks, Ryan. All Thanks, right, Ryan. guys. Well, all right. You bet. Uh, well, guys, uh, feedback. What do we think? Man, that guy's so good for the game. And the one thing that um, always impresses me is the amount of time that he does put in just to be available to the people that are with Learn Pro Poker, whether it's on Discord or uh, just very cat on Twitter. He's always been so generous with his time on Twitter for free to anybody. And um, he's just, he's very accessible and he's very interested in sharing his experience with people who want to know more about poker. So, um, and he's just not, she, so many people are just always, you know, counting the minutes and trying to get back to the next thing they're interested in. This is the thing he's interested in and he's passionate about it and he loves talking about it and sharing it and helping people get better at it. So, um, you know, we, we always talk up our guests, but uh, Ryan in particular is just a good dude in poker and uh, he'll, he'll reward time that you spend on his site and with him. And I'd encourage people, if you don't follow him on Twitter, ProtentialMN, 
And uh, I think we've got a rec.poker slash resources page where you can get a link to his site. Go and check it out. Yeah, I think uh, he was on our online play and hang one night, him and Matt Matros. And I think he was scheduled to be on there for like 10 minutes. Yeah, and 10 or 15 hour, minutes we asked. Hour and a half later, he's still there and he's just sharing the knowledge and just tell, you know, enjoying every every minute of it it just it just seems like he's really enjoys what he's doing and i would encourage anybody listening to this podcast to go back and listen to it again and listen to the response he had to chris's questions if you really yeah. listen to what he said there and take that to your game you're going to improve your game just that that just what he said as he walked through all of the things that he noticed about rec players and the kinds of mistakes that they make. And just, I mean, it was just, he just ticked it off. One, there's this, then there's this, then there's this, then there's this. And if you just go back, re-listen to this podcast for that answer and take some notes, you're going to improve your game like that. Yeah, and what, what I loved about that answer too is like, I think so many times we've asked that question of some guests and they've given us what he gave us at first the answer of mm -hmm. like oh well they they 10x raise with their aces and maybe they you know they drink too much or whatever but they you know it's like this like but they don't really have the next level of that respect for like rec yeah. players who take the game seriously or who, who like move beyond the point of like not just being like just you know terrible at the table but have like they still have very much room for improvement and what i loved about that answer was he kind of answered it from okay well there's the very beginning players and then there's the next level players yep. and then there's the next yep. level players then the next level and they're all making mistakes but they're just making different ones um so yeah i love yeah. that and and just to also add to jim's point um about twitter like one of the the things the voices i miss the most on twitter since the corona uh kind of thing hit us was uh you know when ryan went to play live he he did this like he'd do these hand examples with these yeah, polls yeah. and it would be this like interactive thing he'd be like okay i had this hand what would you do and then he'd ask everyone and then he'd give the response but well you're wrong because you should have done this and, <laughs> and it, just yeah. that was a great learning experience so he's always kind of giving back to the community and i, I really appreciate that well and even with that the discussion that he would give like if somebody gave an answer on why they would do something he would break down okay well this is why you shouldn't or this is why you should or okay part of it's right but part of it's not and i mean he does the same thing in his discord that the community he has in the discord is is awesome he's like he said he he, he always answers to you know uh questions on hands but there's also a section in there that's ask ryan and he's always in there just you know answering any questions that everybody has one of my favorite things on his his videos is like just whenever he says all right yeah, well we'll just uh, it's a happy little call here because that's something he <laughs> says a lot because you know if somebody that you know under the gun opens for two and a half x you're in the big blunt somebody under the gun opens for two and a half x and you get four callers and you're sitting there with four three suited Oh, that's a happy little call because I could hit a monster here and I'm getting the best pot odds ever. So that's a happy little call. It's just that little stuff where he's, he's engaging and he's not just boring. Like for me, somebody that has a little bit of ADD where I can't focus in on a video for a, a very long time, like mm -hmm. you said, things that are very, very short, especially if they're very dense in content, like some of that GTO stuff. You know, you get a little longer when you come to some of the group sessions, but those are so engaging and interactive. It's not just him talking at you. He's, he's interacting with the group. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is, is extremely awesome too, when it comes to just how he, how he approaches teaching and teaching to the masses. 
Yeah, and I think you could really tell how deeply he thinks about the game. I mean, we asked him, what, four questions? Maybe. And he talked for 45 <laughs> minutes. I, I mean, because he really yeah. thoroughly thinks about it and answers all of those questions. Yeah, I, I think, like like Chris's question, I, I just loved the question, too, and I loved the answer. I love that Rob said, go listen to it again, because kind of what you're saying, John, I mean, he's. I think that those answers are the result of the deep thinking he's done about it. Like, I don't think that's the first time he's thought about it. I think he's he's thought about it, and now he kind of categorizes, well, here's the thing. And like you said, or whoever said, just sort of like, oh, okay, well, if that's not you, then this is you. Okay, if you think you got that figured out, then it's here. And you can just see that he's probably sitting at the table going, okay, that person's a level 4B, you know, <laughs> section 2 type of player or something. And I'm sure, like, how, how intimidating now if I sat down at a table with him to be like, oh, my God, now he knows that I'm opening 8-7 suited, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yep. Oh man, it was super fun. Yeah, good stuff. Well, anything else on Ryan? Otherwise, we'll we'll move on to the next section, guys. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit. What's going on? Maybe uh, John, you want to get us started as per always? Absolutely. Uh, so, reminder that the second Wednesday of every month is our mixed game series, and we recently just had a mixed game series on September 9th for limit five card draw, and I. Unfortunately, the video said that it was triple draw because I've played triple draw, five card draw. This was only single draw, even though it was limit. But everyone seemed to figure it out before the game was over. And Kambinkley, Eric Jin, won his very first mixed game series that night. About time you won something, Eric. And <laughs> now we have a little bit more of a controversial topic. Um, <laughs> our August... Uh, the Tournament of Champions is supposed to be the second Monday of the month. Well, somehow I was thinking that September 13th was a Monday. So I had scheduled the tournament for last night. And it ran. And it wasn't until like five minutes after it started running, I realized my mistake. Otherwise, I would have canceled the game and redone yeah. it. So anyway, we're having two Tournament of Champions this uh, month and the winner who won the tournament of champions part one asterisk he, asterisk, asterisk yeah <laughs> was well it's an asterisk just because you won it regardless of it, <laughs> anything else would have was uh, our very own blusterini jim reeb for his first nightly tournament of champion and his first silver pin nice great job great job and 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 to be honest most of the people did play it so it's only a small asterisk i think like what you say john like 20 out of the 24 played it. i was one of the four that didn't yep. know about it and like i was in there chatting on the other tournament you know and running deep in that one or whatever and the guy's like oh yeah we got us going to the other tournament. I'm like what other tournament are you playing oh the toc i'm like what so but but anyway so it's only a small asterisk because most of the players did play it but we got we got another shot uh, well, and it's, it's the second tournament I've won that there's been an asterisk associated yeah, with. that's right. And I, I just want to, like, I just want to beat everyone fair and square. That's what I want. Everyone well, just come and I'll try and be, I know, wouldn't we all like that? In the meantime, if I win any more of these asterisk titles, I'm going to have to start rooting for the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there might be a reason that you're the one winning all of the asterisk titles. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> this is we'll correct. Need a little extra help there. Game selection, everyone. Game selection. <laughs> you have to seek out the asterisk tournaments because that's where you get to express uh, your edge. 
there's a silver pin overlay of some kind because hell yeah <laughs> can we engrave let's i like what he just said let's engrave the back yeah. of the pin with the patriots of rec poker <laughs> oh, oh no i don't want to have to i don't want to have to melt it down give me a break well john john thinks it's pure silver so yeah, we got I was, stomped on that that was my retirement plan and now it's <laughs> I find out it's not real silver. I don't of know course, what I'm going to do. Of course, to your point, you know, you have to win one first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. So it's faux silver, but I would say Jim's is like also a faux pin. Like it's an asterisk pin. So it's, it's a faux faux. Faux faux. Yep. Yeah, Fofo asked. <laughs> but either way, you know, the tournament champion, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I mean, this is the best of the best. And we, we've talked about how we think the, the nightly TOC, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's one out there, but I, I've got to believe it's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, free home game online game in the world. Like, I mean, th there's a lot of really tough players, in my opinion, out there playing in this free nightly. And so then when you go to the tournament of champions, these are the people that have all won that for the month. So it's a, it's a, it's a nice win for, for, Jim, for Jim Reed. Very nice. Absolutely. Thanks, and we're, we're, sorry, we're battle. recording this September 14th. So the reason why it sounds sort of odd is that last night, September 13th, was when we played that. We don't know the winner yet of tonight's. So, you know, we'll have to stay tuned for that deal. You yeah, can just ship me, ship me both silver pins at the same time, Steve. Yeah. That might save <laughs> it's, it's too expensive to mail to Canada. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the border's closed, isn't it, right? You can't send anything oh. to Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so now back to the uh, nightly series. <laughs> On September 7th, we had Osloberger, Trond Bidar Stensby, won yes. his first nightly series tournament. Then Elvis 76, Steve Kreps, won his second nightly series. Uh, Stringbend, Troy Graffentine, won his third nightly mm. series. Nice, he's been, he's been around that final table a lot too, I can yeah. remember. Oh yeah. And Anciano, 1941, Mark Foster won his third nightly series. And again, Oreo Milk, 4444, Owen Drabeck, an impressive seventh nightly series. It's a good Go thing we only college. give one. Yeah, we only give out one pin for year for these guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it's, yeah. <laughs> one per family, I think. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad idea. Um, then Eric Molina, Rob Brereton is trying to play catch up there and won wow. his sixth nightly series. Wow. So monster winners there. He denied me. And then we yeah, had our very yeah, table too. That was last oh boy. That was last yes. night. I was on the last two tournaments I played, I made the final table and I <laughs> he's he's tough, man. Rob is tough. And then we had our very first international series yeah, yeah. and Mr. D Z Z Z eighteen, <laughs> Richard Dietz won his first international series title. Not, another one of those uh, Las Vegas Raiders fans, if memory serves. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now, for those who, uh, as Steve mentioned, this is a new series. We don't, aren't giving away bronze pins yet until we get enough players starting to play them. But if you win that, you are eligible to play in the monthly tournament of champions. Yep. Yep. So nice job, Richard. Yeah. So, and we're still, we'll tweak with the times, you know, we got some feedback on that. People are like, what are you doing a 5am tournament for? Well, it's not necessarily for you. I mean, you, you can play it, but you know, that's really for the Australian folks that have said, Oh, we'd like to start building an interest here. So we know it'll take, take some time to get there. Uh, and then the noon one is, you know, really geared toward, uh, toward our European friends, but they're on Friday. So we're still getting feedback. They may shift, but as of right now, 5am central time, noon central time on Fridays, 
we call it the international series, but anybody can play. It's open to anybody in the world that, that wants to play, but we're just sort of targeting those folks and trying to make it something uh, easier for their schedule. But yeah, thanks to John for setting that up to yet another uh, expansion to the home games. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it started off as just one <laughs> tournament a month, and now, you know, we've got more than one every day. <laughs> oh, my 30, God. 30, now there's, what, 35 a month? Yeah, well, John. You know, John gets the MVP for the person whose scope of their job has expanded the most over the course of this year by a long shot. It's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I, but I do think that there's sort of like an element of me doing dishes in this and, and stick with me for a second. So, you know, my wife will have me do the dishes, but I don't do a great job and I'm pretty slow. Now I've kind of worked that into a strategy because now she'll be like, ah, I'll just, I'll just take care of it. And so I think John's silver pin accident might be something to do with this. I think that might be a statement to the rest of Rec Poker Nation that I've had it. 35 <laughs> tournaments a month is enough, or you're going to start seeing TOC debacles. John, want to defend yourself, or am I on the right uh, track here? I can't completely argue with that. I, I, not that it's a, a conscious thing, but you know, as we've this has grown, I've tried to become more and more efficient with my time. Yeah. <laughs> which means I'm going a little faster, which means uh, mistakes mm -hmm. might happen. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone ever spots a mistake, I, I would love to hear about it because I want to make correct those, make sure those happen. And I don't feel bad about it at all. If I've misspelled something, if I mispronounce your name, if you notice a tournament is at the wrong time, let me know and I'll fix it as soon as I can. Love that. That's why John is is one of the good guys, man. And he means it. So yeah, if you if you guys see something out there, if you see a TOC scheduled for the wrong day, either tell John or tell me so I could play it. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Good stuff, John. Fantastic. Anything else on the home games? Nope, that's it. All right. Who else has some info that they want to share? Nobody, nobody, nobody. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's end it up there, I guess. I think the last thing I would say is, you know, these guys all have a lot that they could share. We've been trying to figure out how to, how to streamline all the podcasts and stuff. But, you know, we just keep telling you, go to rec.poker. There's a million things out there. Go to the events calendar. I think that's a great place to start. And you can start to see all the stuff that's out there and go, ooh, I like that. You can dig in deeper, see the details there. Subscribe to the newsletter. If you're not out there now, just go to rec.poker. You can sign up on, I think, any of the pages. Sign up for the newsletter. We sound out, we call it the twerp this week in rec poker. Get all the information there. Otherwise, if you have any questions at all, Steve at rec.poker. Like, that's not hard. Like, anything else might be hard. Get a hold of me. Uh, I, can, I can walk you through whatever questions you have on that deal. So with that, why don't we wrap it up there? Um, special thanks again to our sponsors, Running Aces, Racetrack Casino and Hotel, website AMP, Learn Pro Poker. Thanks to Ryan LaPlante. Great stuff. And Rob, John, Chris, Andrew, Jim. Fantastic stuff. And we will catch you all next week. See ya.